Story Story. My name is Tegan Aline. My name is Melanie Nevis. And so this episode is going to be about Saturnalia. What is that, you ask? (laughs) What is Saturnalia, you ask? It's a good question (laughs) because it's not actually as popular as maybe some of the other things that we might talk about on the podcast this month. Um, But it is a really interesting one. Do you do you know anything about Saturnalia? Like me, I did not. Okay. So, <laughs> so I know very very little. I know that it was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and and I I'm pretty sure that it has to do with the god Saturn. And the only reason, just based on the name, but the only reason that I know that is because I remember I went to Italy and I went to the Cascata del Molino di Saturnia. So I went to Saturnia where they have these hot springs and the story goes that it was some other name before, uh, I forget what that actual name was before it got renamed to Saturnalia, but the Etruscans had it and the Romans were very jealous of this. So they took it over. And they ended up renaming it Saturnia Mm. after the god Saturn because Saturn and Jupiter, who is Zeus, were in a fight. And then Jupiter threw a thunderbolt and where it landed was where the hot springs emerged. You know what? Apparently. (laughs) You already know way more about this than I did. My reference was literally, I wrote it in my notes. Overall, the holiday is important, but the only thing I know about it is a reference in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. But I don't actually know. That's that's just what I know about how those specific hot springs came to be. And funny story, um, <laughs> because they've been around for thousands of years. They've been around for thousands of years. So the rocks are slippery, you know, when you think about all the minerals that are there and just general erosion, like water erosion of rocks to make them really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's recommended that you have water shoes when you're there. I didn't have water shoes. So I was walking along trying to get to like <laughs> a nice pool that I could get oh, to. Oh, man. And <laughs> Sounds amazing. Kale looked over. He's, I don't know, like 20 feet away or something. He looked over at me and just saw me slowly. Like I started to go down and there was literally nothing that I can do to stop myself. And I fell on top of two older Hello? Italian women. And as Hello? I was going down, I just was like, me scusi. <laughs> oh no. They were really good about it. And they oh. laughed really, really hard. Right. Oh, <laughs> but- man. Was it like a slow-mo fall back? It was like a slow-mo the- fall. Yeah. And I could, I could not for the life of me stop it. <laughs> Well, I mean, if I've taken anything from what I've learned about Saturn so far, he's related to good times. So, I mean, <laughs> you were at the bath, you were having a good time, the ladies are having a good time, great. all was good. Yeah. Sounds like it, in a way, very lightly fits with the whole vibe. So I wouldn't worry cool. too much. <laughs> cool. That's that's about all I know. So that's that's the mythical story of those specific baths, and they're called. They got renamed to Saturnalia or Saturnia after Saturn. So I assume Saturnalia has to do with Saturn. So honestly, I don't know anything about those baths. Actually, I've never. I don't know if I've actually heard of them before or not. But but doesn't matter because now I want to go. <laughs> and also, yeah. And also, what I this is really cool. Because every time I'm reading about something, I'm like, oh, I was there. I saw that thing. I didn't realize I didn't realize that guy was the guy who wrote Cinderella. I didn't realize that that place was like <laughs> the temple of Saturn. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it just makes me like want to redo all of my trips that I've ever done. <laughs> Just so I can really sit and like revel in what I'm not so much the painting at Versailles that that's okay. Um, But (laughs) you only need to see fuzzy (laughs) hair so many times. But like, (laughs) but like temples and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I need to do more research like this before I go away on holiday because the the historical context just makes everything so much cooler. You know what I mean? It does. So you are absolutely correct. Uh, Saturnalia is the festival holiday of celebrating Saturn, actually. 
actually. It's like cool. an old an old Roman holiday. I say old with air quotes um, because it's very, very old. <laughs> and it, it might be considered like the Roman holiday of all Roman holidays. Like really? Yeah, it's like the goat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It is. It's it's the biggest one. It's considered most important. So when we're looking at the timeline, as you know, I have like this uh, obsession with timeline. And side note, I spent a good 45 minutes in bed on Sunday just telling Michael why I think the timeline is of, of humanity, you know, is so important and why I think like we need to like study it more and understand time better uh, because we would have such a bigger appreciation for history and everything. I went on like this whole rant, like as soon as I opened my eyes about the timeline and my husband was like, this is very I abstract. Mean, like, what are you doing? They still keep discovering things that just put humans further and further back in time. Right? This is the thing, right? I feel like if we examined the timeline of humanity a bit more, if we started to understand like the way it's counted, First of all, the fact, okay, I could get into a whole tangent on this, but the fact <laughs> alone that we measure everything by Jesus is very bizarre to me when there's so many things that happened before him. But anyways, if once you start <laughs> getting into like counting, the counting before, the counting after and all of that stuff and like really starting to get that under skin and understand it, um, it just makes history like it opens up the world. You know what I mean? Like it makes you, yeah. it gives you a sense. And I don't, and you know, on another side note, I also like, I have like a, a practice, a spiritual practice that believes in no time and believes like the past, present and future are all happening at once, which is like a total, a complete other abstract thing. But I also still think in terms of a historical time uh, concept, like in, ter in terms of history, the timeline is very important. <laughs> rant over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I told Mel at the beginning of this whole show, I was like, I think we should do an episode just about the timeline. And she was like, uh, and I was like, it's important. There's <laughs> too much. There's too much. How far back do you go? Yeah, no, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. So anyways, that's a tangent. But in relation to Saturnalia, so we're looking at the era of the classic Roman civilization. So that's approximately 509 BC to 27 BC and the imperial era. So the imperial, so this was cool in and it of itself because I was like, oh, I always think of the Rome as like one thing, like smash, that's it. But I've uh, never yeah, studied no. Roman history, but it's actually kind of broken up into the way in the way that the Roman Empire changed. So there's mm -hmm. also the imperial eras, which is when Roman Empire becomes the quote unquote Roman Empire, which is like 27 mm -hmm. BC to 395 AD. That's when they're unified. And then the numbers change. If you want to break down, something happens between the East and the West. We won't get into all of that. But for those <laughs> major eras, that's when this holiday, Saturnalia, is really important. And like you said, it is honoring the god of Saturn. Funnily enough, he is venerated as the god of time. Oh, sure. Obviously, him and I have some talking to do. Um, the god of generation, like the like generation in terms of like things being generated. Mm -hmm. The god of dissolution. Okay. The god of abundance. The god of abundance. The god of wealth. The god of agriculture. The god of periodic renewal. The god of liberation. And they also, just like really stripped power from female goddesses, huh? Uh, God of agriculture. I feel like for a lot, yeah, yeah, he is considered the god of agriculture in this context. I don't think, I think they're interesting. Are it has something to do with harvest, you know what I mean? And it all okay. has, and it's all kind of connected to the sun and the moon phases. It's not necessarily taking away from any goddess of agriculture, but he's also, he's kind of worshipped in hopes that crops and things are going to be good or the fact that they okay, are and Demeter reaping, is just the seasonality of it I don't know just that they're like yeah. reaping they're reaping they're celebrating him as they reap the rewards of those things as we dive into it maybe that'll make more Do sense. Do cornucopias have to do with Saturn? 
Um, you know, I didn't look into it. I don't know. But while I was doing the reading, I was like, this is definitely giving cornucopia energy. So <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb and oh, say <laughs> speculatory. Yes, I think maybe. Um, but also I wanted to point out, because, you know, when we look at the Roman gods and everything, they're all connected to our days of the week. So he right. is Saturn connected well, Saturday. to Saturday. Yeah. So immediately and I wanted to point that out because like you just say the word Saturday and you're like huh, yay Saturday <laughs> like yeah, all after gods you forget about that yeah they are and Saturday is mm-hmm. usually a day we associate with like having a day off like going out going to a party like not always there are plenty of people that work on weekends of course we know but like in the historical context and traditionally, I guess we would think of that kind of idea in relation. There's still to the popular days for events to be held, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you forget that the days or not the days of the year, the months of the year are also named after God yeah. as well. You just forget. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that and the correlation to what it means and then how we treat the days. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. how did things last that long? It's so weird. But basically, overall, he sounds like the god of good times, more or less. And that's very much <laughs> what Saturnalia is about. So, okay. <laughs> You're probably going to answer this question later. No, just, like, a- just ask it. It doesn't well, matter. Because you know how, like, Artemis got renamed to Diana, mm. who is – and, like, Zeus is Jupiter. Yeah. Who's, who is Saturn again? So <laughs> is it is it the person that I have in my head? <laughs> Who do you have in your head? I'm just curious. Well, I feel like it's wrong because I isn't It's okay. Well, just give it a go. I, I that was the no, next place I was going to go, but I like it. It's a great lead-in. But I want to know who you're thinking. Well, cuz was it Dionysus? Cuz he's like the god mm-hmm. of good times, no? Yeah, yeah, no, it's not Dionysus. Um okay. but basically <laughs> This is the thing it's that we, we see a lot. Extraordinaire. We, yeah. This is the thing we see a lot. We <laughs> talked about it in our witch season, but we see a lot in Roman, um, in the Roman eras where they kind of take deities from like other surrounding areas. They kind of integrate them. And we're actually, I actually found a little bit of information as to why they would do this that I'm going to share later in the podcast. But um, so in this case, After Romans take over Greece, uh, Saturn is often conflated with the Greek Titan Cronus. And I think he's also the Titan Cronus. So he's also connected to time, I think, as well. And, Mm. And so Saturn's partner is his sister, 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 (laughs) his sister, Ope. It's spelled literally O-P-S. Opus? I don't know. Meaning it means plenty. There we go again okay. with the like cornucopia energy. And she is a fertility goddess. Um, let's just completely skirt over the fact that it's his sister because, I mean, they did it a lot and it's not uncommon. It's weird to us. Yes, absolutely. But he, with her, fathers Jupiter, who we know okay. also is Zeus. And it would really tie in well with that story. So that story about those beautiful hot springs you visited is basically a fight between a father and son, which let's be honest. Oh, and Zeus caused... threw a tantrum and yeah, threw a lightning bolt yeah. his dad. Cool, cool, cool. So he, so Saturn, so we kind of, it's so hard not to talk about the Greek and Roman gods interchangeably because they essentially like take on each other's identities through this time. So we go back and forth between the two. I know it's a little bit confusing. Like I think we try to keep it pretty clear, but it can be confusing. But like Saturn, so Roman god Saturn, um, he fathers with his sister, (laughs) Jupiter, Neptune, Pluto, Juno, Circe, and Vesta. And Vesta. Ah. So his mythological reign. So we say his mythological reign. Again, it's actually the reign of the Titan Cronus is considered the golden age of abundance and peace. And it's the idea and the celebration 
that the whole celebration of Saturnalia is supposed to hark back to this lost mythical age when the world was abundant and people Mm -hmm. just lived happily in peace. So I think the idea is, is that the Greek Titan Cronus oversaw a certain period of time, which was considered in Greek mythology and lore as a golden age. And apparently there's like this whole story about the slow decline of humanity so it starts with the golden age and it literally like drops down in tears um Mm -hmm. so there's this idea of harking back to this time when things were plenty when people didn't have to work when people could just like eat from the land and they they could just like you know do their thing so the whole concept behind Saturnalia is to think about that period and kind of like temporarily transport yourself into that timeline or into that space of mind where everything is like free flowing and you can do whatever and people are just like enjoying again kind of gives lovely it gives a bit of garden of eden vibes like there's traces of that in that in that conversation and again we're kind of mixing the greek and the roman stuff but i didn't want to because honestly if i had gotten into that whole thing the greek thing i would have been here all day (laughs) so Yeah. So this is kind of the whole idea behind Saturnalia. And like I said, it's the biggest deal. So it's interesting to know it's celebrated on December 17th, but that's in the Julian calendar. So we currently follow the Gregorian calendar. So at the time, it's celebrated on the 17th of December, and then eventually over time, it gets spread out into like a week-long festival that runs from the 17th of December to the 23rd of December, which okay. basically becomes Burning Man, like a week-long debauchery. Like, <laughs> um, but I, ha- I couldn't help myself but go down the hole of trying to figure out. So if that's based on the Julian calendar, what would it be in our Gregorian calendar? I was going to ask that too. I was going to ask if you figured it out. Fun, nerdy side note. If you type in Gregorian to Julian calendar converter, there is a converter on the internet. Of course there is. That will help you convert that. That If you think about it, it's already been done. Like... You know, it's so cool. So anyways, um, okay, like I said, in their calendar, it would be, okay, so in their calendar, the Julian calendar, December 17th, would be the equivalent to December 30th in the Gregorian Ah. calendar. So the celebrations would, in our calendar, would technically start between the 30th and end around July, or sorry, January 5th. So it's like a it's more really like a great New Year's party. It kind of feels like that. And it also makes sense because I should also reiterate or mention the fact that not everybody in the world follows the Gregorian calendar. There's a lot of like Eastern Orthodox and more other people that don't follow that calendar. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because I know some people that are Eastern Orthodox and they celebrate like their version of Christmas. Um, And we've never gotten into the details of it because maybe they think it's a bit complicated, but I'm going to ask them to explain it now. But they celebrate that that week, like January 3rd to January 5th. So we always come back from our Christmas holidays and like go do stuff with them for the holidays too, because that's when they actually celebrate the holidays. So definitely ask about that. I really should, Um, especially because I I think if I ask, I'll definitely get the in-depth conversation that I want around (laughs) So let's actually talk about how this festival goes down. I'm going to talk about how it goes down. And then afterwards, I'm going to kind of get into some of the complexities about why it happens this way. And we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into that. I couldn't do too much of a deep dive because, again, I think we'd be here forever. There's so many events connected to it. It has so many connections to things. But just the event itself. How does Saturnalia start? So The first things first, everyone goes to the temple of Saturn, which is located in the Roman Forum. So you've been to Rome, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been through the ruins in the Roman Forum that are kind of like like in the center of the city? No, the line was always so long. So I'd go, actually, we uh, stayed up all night 
for New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day, we watch the sunrise because there's an outlook over the Roman Forum. And we watched the sunrise over it when it was like quiet and empty. It was really nice. Isn't it weird when you do stuff that absolutely fits where you were, but you didn't (laughs) know it? Okay. So you know, kind of generally, I I think most of us, if we've ever researched Italy of Rome, even if you Googled Rome, you will always see like the the Roman Forum, which is like this part Mm -hmm. of Rome where as many of old, old Roman ruins are in the city. And there's always, there is one ruin that kind of sticks out because it's a bunch of um, pillars. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll, I'll send you a photo and then we could post it. Yeah. I'm sure I have photos from when I went to Italy. Uh, It's got about seven pillars across the top and it really stands out as like, I mean, this is the temple of Saturn. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I know, right? So this is the temple of Saturn and this is where Saturnalia starts. Everybody would go there and it would be a big thing. And, you know, like the the Roman Forum at that time is basically the center of the universe, right? Like for, mm-hmm. I mean, really, it is basically the center of the universe. And I think it's really interesting. Yep, that's the one. She's showing me a picture. <laughs> and that, that big one, that one is the Temple of Saturn. So he's cool. a pretty highly elevated god. And yeah, you're right. I don't know if there, there are a lot of, goddess temples but I don't know if any of them have such a situation as being at at this at this particular place um and yeah like I said it's considered the center of the universe so everybody goes there and basically the first thing to do is a sacrifice there's usually an animal sacrifice that has to take place so it's officiated by a priest of the temple of Saturn and there's this whole thing about the fact that Roman priests t- typically had their head covered. I'm not exactly sure with it, if it was a hat or like a type of hood. I think it was like a type of hood connected to their mm-hmm. toga or something like this. But in this specific case, they uncover their head and that's actually connected to Saturn, connected to Cronus, and we'll kind of get into that a bit more. But it's very important that they have their head showing and they would perform this ritual of like sacrificing this, an animal. Apparently it was usually a pig, but there could also be like other livestock. And Mm -hmm. then they would at the before that would start they would take the statue of saturn and the statue of saturn it was apparently mounted into place by wood and they would unlock his feet from the wood so the wood has a symbol symbolism because it's connected to wood is connected to earth and connected to grounding and Saturn, we'll get into a bit later, he's also connected to like things related to the underworld and goddesses of the underworld and stuff. So when he uh, they unlock his feet, he's unlocked from that grounding and he's unlocked from um, his, you know, responsibilities in a way. Nice. <laughs> and they're freeing him. They're freeing him up for the party. So they unlock that deity statue first then they go into the temple and then they sacrifice an animal and then they go out and they kind of create there's a huge banquet like in the center of this town in the square for everybody and they basically put him on like a sumptuous couch like a very pretty couch (laughs) it's called I don't know in in what I was reading it said a sumptuous (laughs) couch and I was like that sounds like a porno right there what (laughs) but the idea sumptuous couch so the idea is they put him on a really beautiful seat yeah (laughs) and he's kind of like the guest of honor so the idea is that he's actually participating actively participating in the holiday so as everybody I I kind of like this idea actually I like that that's really nice It's a celebration for him. So they take him and they put him kind of at the center of it and everybody kind of parties around, you know, and like, therefore he's like taking part in it, which I think is kind of neat. That's cute. And that is happening during this public banquet that is open to everybody. And then there's also the concept of private gift giving as well. So 
the energy kind of turns into a carnival kind of idea. It overturns societal norms and people do things that they're not normally allowed to do. So for example, mm-hmm. people would gamble. They would play dice, so a version of dice, even though like even though most of the year it's all of the rest of the year it was illegal at the time, but on Saturnalia they Free could pass. they could gamble. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Saturnalia is nothing if not a free pass. It really is. <laughs> It's free pass week. It's kind of like the purgeant opposite. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> instead of killing, everybody's fucking. <laughs> yeah. Great. Sounds like my kind of holiday. <laughs> you know? And I mean, it's it's a brash thing to say, but I'm pretty sure this is the vibe. Um, so another thing that's really common at the holiday is role reversals. Mm -hmm. So for example, masters would, I say masters in quotation, I, they were masters, but I don't like the concept of slavery. So I don't love talking about slavery, but masters would reverse roles with their slaves essentially. And a quick side note on slaves. I mean, I think maybe people know, but this is something that definitely like glazed, it kind of glazed over for me in relation to the Roman Empire is just how apparent slavery was. Like the economy was essentially built on slavery. But what I found mm-hmm. out when I was like digging around, like researching this stuff, is that even doctors and accountants, like people we would consider in high level positions in our society today, would be slaves, would be considered slaves to certain to like higher up people. And it was only like it wasn't just like unskilled, poor, or people that were like um being put, being sentenced for something wrong they had done if you were in those categories that you would still be a slave, but they would be like the ones working on farms or in mines or at mills. But they were also like, I don't know if it was necessarily different classes of slaves. It's just like there were some educated slaves, but they were still slaves. Yeah, but I think it is important to just also state that slavery slavery in the ancient Roman Empire did also exist in the the concept and construct that we are used to thinking of it as oh yeah where people were taken from neighboring societies and and countries and things like that and taken as slaves Um, oh yeah yeah. we glorify ancient rome a lot but yeah that was my kind of why i wanted to 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 make us not even a side note but to mention that as well because yeah Mm -hmm. we we tend to kind of I think a lot of time especially when you come at things from a folklore perspective as we both really like but it tends Mm -hmm. to focus and mythology it all tends to cutely skirt over the fact that there were problems in their societies that are still relevant and prevalent today and and in this particular situation, uh, slavery was an issue and it and it wasn't something people were happy, happy about. And I'm sure if we did some digging into Roman history, we would see that this is kind of part of what undoes the society in some way, shape or form at some point, because ultimately people don't like to be treated like lesser than, right? Maybe it's part of it. I know that it's coming to light more and more that the Roman Empire wasn't as great as we've made it out to be I guess like in a lot of different ways but they were really like they were really fantastic um in terms of the things that they created the aqueducts that they created but like those were built by slaves it was great in a in a patriarchal sense like in a sense of a dominating force in the world the roman empire Mm -hmm was good at that <laughs> you know what oh, I'm mean? sure but the, they, they also had a lot of technological advances yeah. and they built things in specific ways that they did take from others right they mm-hmm. took from like the phoenician societies uh they we're took gonna get Etruscans. there yeah okay go Just i go. mean i'm Keep not going. i'm not i'm not <laughs> do, going diving deep into the etruscans or the phoenicians um because mm-hmm. it would be really long but uh i will mention that a little bit because there's yeah. like actually a connection between that and Saturnalia. <laughs> it might be hard to believe, but it is. Um, so another thing that they would also do is that they would basically wear this hat 
It was a felt dude. This is the weirdest hat I've ever seen. <laughs> you think of Roman Empire, you think of those beautiful like like bronze helmets with like the the red brush and I can feel my dad rolling in <laughs> his grave right now being like, "It was called this and only certain captains or generals wore it." And blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's not my point, dad. My point is is that there was a hat called Aphilius. <laughs> It's spelled P-I-L-L-E-U-S. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But basically, it was a felt hat shaped like a comb. And free men would wear it. Like men who are free would wear it. So why is it relevant? Because during Saturnalia, everybody would be able to wear it, even slaves. And it was kind of like the point. You know what I mean? The point was that on this day, everybody is free. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was seen as a time for mass partying and people could kind of just like go balls to the walls and roles could reverse. And even it was even okay if like people that were slaves were criticizing their, their masters. And there was even um, a custom to elect a king of Saturnalia. And the king of Saturnalia would give orders to people and preside over the general high energy or the merrymaking of of the party. And in terms of the gifts, the gifts that would be exchanged were usually like kind of funny gag gifts, like little things that would like make each other laugh or like kind of add to the energy. Or they would be like small figurines made out of wax or pottery. But the gifts were just like kind in a way kind of a sidebar, but um, personally. So it's not like it wasn't like a public outpouring of like gift exchange. It was something that you would kind of do quietly or on the side on your own. Um, So we dive back into the Greek stuff for a bit because Saturnalia was the equivalent to the Greek holiday of Cronia or related to Cronus. Right. And this is important to note because like I said earlier, some Romans looked at this holiday and this celebration as a restoration of the golden age. Like this idea of harking Mm -hmm. back to this like golden era when everything was wine and honey. That was kind of like the whole point of that. And why that's important, we'll get into a bit more later, like why that whole thing happens. There's a reason and it's very interesting. Um, but we'll get into it later. Okay, I already mentioned that whole thing about there being in the Greek, there's like a Greek writer who wrote about these different classes of ages, the golden age, Mm -hmm. the silver age, the bronze age, the heroic age, and then the iron age. And it's kind of, I want to say in a sense, it's kind of like the descent of humanity. It's not going up, it's going down. (laughs) Yeah, that tracks. It's a little bit confusing, I know, but we won't get into it too heavily. But the golden age is kind of considered again, like the first age in a way. And like right. this idea of things just running free. And it really does give Dionysus vibes, I I admit. And there could be a connection there. I don't know. I didn't see anything when I was reading it, but I wouldn't be surprised at all because like we said- the I mean, Rom- there may not be. The Romans a lot of gods from a like lot to of party. Greek. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They all. <laughs> so Saturnalia, he's even been quoted um, by like fancy old poets and philosophers. I wasn't going to get into their names. You guys can Google it. But <laughs> as the best of days, and also this one I really liked. This was written by a philosopher. Freeing of souls into immortality. So that was kind mm. of the idea is that, that they could be so free in these seven days or six days or whatever, however many days. Maybe seven. It depends on how you count it, but yeah. Could. Okay. I think it's like a week. So that it's that you could be so free that your soul will essentially live forever because of the amount of freeness you can have in this time. Um, so it's interesting to know all of this stuff because Saturnalia, we might see traces of it in terms of the gift giving, um, the naming of the king of Saturnalia and all of these things. We see different influences of it in customs today, like Christmas. And then in the Eastern traditions, there's the Feast of Holy Innocence and the Epiphany, which the Epiphany, Mm -hmm. the Feast of Holy Innocence, I don't know too much about. I know that it's mostly celebrated in Orthodox uh, thing. And I think it has to do where they celebrate some martyrs that got massacred. I'm not sure. And the Epiphany is actually when um, the Magi bring the gifts to to Jesus in the in the manger. Right. So and again, Mm -hmm. we see that that story of gifts. So 
I think a lot of what passes down is the concept of gift, gift giving through this. Um, that's a speculation on my end, but that's kind of the impression that I got. It's been widely assumed that many of the traditions in the Greek holiday are taken from plenty of other holidays in the Greco-Roman world. So I had to write this one down because I didn't know how to summarize it. I'm just going to read it as I as I saw it. So the Greek writer, hmm, can I pronounce that? Athenius also cited numerous other examples of similar festivals celebrated through the Roman Greco world, including Cretan, the festival of Hermania in honor of Hermes. Wait, Hermes in English? Hermes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I started saying it the French way and I just I can't I can't say it the other way now. <laughs> yeah, you're getting more and more French. <laughs> <laughs> so um another festival from an area called Trozen in honor of Poseidon. It's an unnamed festival. And then a Thessalian festival in Peloria in honor of Zeus Pelor. Pelorios, <laughs> and another unnamed festival in Babylon. So basically, they're, what he's saying is that they pulled a whole, again, we see the pulling of a whole bunch of things from bits and pieces of other festivals. Yeah. And also, the this guy also mentions the master dining with their slaves, because that's a big part of it, the role reversal. A part of it is the whole, uh, that the masters would serve the slaves dinner and dine with the slaves. Um, is They also have said that it's associated with an Athenian festival and, mm. and a Spartan festival. <laughs> so, Some Greek stuff. So there's yeah. a lot to say. Lots of stuff happening there. But basically, that's the idea, is that they've sourced this from a lot of different places. The interesting thing about what we know about Saturnalia is that there's kind of one book of reference on Saturnalia, but for the most part, what people know about it has been piece milled together from sources where they're not talking about the whole event from start to finish. Maybe they're just talking about mm -hmm. one specific thing in relation to Saturnalia. Um, and then people have kind of like over time, historians have like gathered those bits and pieces of information and kind of strung together the idea of what they think. There was a right. book, there was a book written by a Latin author from late antiquity. This man's name was Macrobius Ambrosius Theodosius. And that's not his real name. Oh, I love the names that they would give people. That's They're not so... his real name. I, I did a, a little bit of a dig into it. And that's kind of like his pen name. His pen name. But yeah. also there's no traces of what his name actually was. So they, they just yeah, called well, him if he wanted to be hidden then. Well, I just don't I'm think sure. he, he had had. There was no record of his birth or his family that we have. So, um, right. you know, it's it's. Macrobius Ambrosius Theodosius. Nice. <laughs> AMT wrote a book called Saturnalia. And basically in this book, he's using the festival as the main setting. So the plot of his book is set amongst Saturnalia events. And it's about like a household that's preparing for Saturnalia. And that is the one book where we have the most detailed account. But I think when I was looking into the book a little bit, you know, it's so old, it's hard to know, like, that he's using mythology, he's might be talking about real events, it's, it's not, it's yeah. hard. Is it fact or fiction? You don't really you know. know. It, as many things, it might be a bit of both, you know, that mm -hmm. was kind of my impression. So we don't really, that's kind of like the main source text that exists for Saturnalia, but otherwise people are trying to like, I guess, maybe use his source text and then finding other references to bits and pieces to kind of like verify, okay, yeah, this is what right. people did. Um, but it's interesting to know because I think the more you dive into this stuff, the more you realize we're all just making a very estimated guess when it comes to history. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have. Uh, yeah. What was that beautiful library, the, ta the Library of Alexandra? Probably shouldn't have burnt that down, mm -hmm. Christians. Anyway. <laughs> Because I'm sure we'd have a lot more information if they didn't. Um, 
Yeah. So it's interesting because in one interpretation of his book, again, his book's written in Latin, so it's been interpreted in multiple languages. I want to buy this book. There's so many. We should start. We should really do that. We should start an ongoing list of cool books that we find out about from this series that we should get and read. Yeah. <laughs> like they'll be long reads, but I would love to read this book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there is uh, an interpretation where Saturnalia is a festival of light leading to winter solstice. And there are always tons of candles that represent and symbolize the quest for knowledge and truth. And I just thought that was very interesting because I've seen traces of that like in winter solstice festivals. And a lot of what we Mm -hmm. understand of winter solstice is like bringing the light into the dark. It's kind of like the longest Mm -hmm. night of the year and then the sun comes. So doubly interesting is that their New Year's in the Julian calendar is December 25th. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. So you think in the Julian calendar, their holiday starts December 17th to the 23rd. And essentially is the lead up to their New Year's, which is on the 25th. And I think it's called Dies Natalis Solis Invicti, the birthday of the unconquerable sun. I also think this is why sun gods are so venerated is because Mm -hmm. the sun is kind of, it is in a lot of ways unconquerable, (laughs) even now. (laughs) It's probably going to all kill us, but I guess that's the point. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But yeah, so I think that's really interesting, the way that those kind of things lead up and that idea of the candles. And we've seen that, we see that a lot in other other events as well, even to this day. So Saturnalia in the third and fourth century AD, um, as the Roman Empire became Christian, as it was becoming Christian, Saturnalia was still existing at this time and still being created, celebrated. celebrated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And many of its customs were then recast or they were influencing the celebrations around Christmas and and New Year. So we kind of start to see how how these things kind of spilled over. And then there was – so this is the whole idea in general, and we're already starting to see, like, where the lines start to shift and blur. and, And again, we were talking about it right before we started the podcast, how all if you start getting into history and especially if you have that little interesting crazy brain like me and you love history related to religion, like religious Mm -hmm. history is the most fascinating shit in the world. I think it's really intriguing because you really like, it doesn't take much to start to see the correlations between you can connect the dots really easily. Religion, any type of spiritual practice or worship and governments and politics and we were kind of talking mm-hmm. about that before before the show started because I was saying to you that I think that oftentimes people think their spirituality can't be pure and unrelated to politics but actually politics have been capitalizing politics and governments have been capitalizing on people's spirituality forever and 100% this is a very good example of that so I want to kind of take it midway through to something that was considered the reform of Saturnalia. So this happens around 217 BC. And so I think in the Roman timeline, that's like, what, kind of like middle? It's kind of like not midway through the imperial, but. What is it, 217 BC? Yeah. But, you know, it's like for up until that point, Saturnalia is celebrated completely differently. And again, I didn't dive too deep into it. We would be here forever. But so basically, pre that point, it was being treated in a traditional way. So it was actually being celebrated in the way of the Roman ancestors, the way things it didn't have the Greek influence. But after 217 mm-hmm. BC, this is when they start to incorporate the Greek influence into everything. This is when they start to, and it's not just with Saturnalia, it's with other things that we see as well. And mm-hmm. I think I might now understand a little bit as to why that happened, which is really cool. Because there was a big battle. 
there was a big war called the Battle of Lake, oh man, Tresemene, I think. I'm going to spell it T-R-A-S-I-M-E-N-E. I want to say it in French again, but Lake Tresemine. This is in Italy, and it's kind of like not north, but like maybe central-ish Italy. You'd probably know better than I would. So this took place during the Second Punic Wars, and they were wars between Romans and Phoenicians. And it was a settlement that was in what we now know as modern-day Tunisia, which is in North Africa. And these wars were led by Hannibal. So I know Hannibal as in Hannibal Lecter, but I think a lot of us should realize that there was actually a, a military guy who was very venerated oh. historically named Hannibal. He's badass. He had he ran some crazy campaigns. Yes, he did. And I didn't go into them, but I really, really want to after learning about this. So basically, yeah. um, a group of the military under his counsel went out up into Italy. There was this huge war at this lake and the Romans were defeated like really badly, really badly. I was reading, I didn't want to get too into it, but I was reading some of the things that they've talked about. And it, it sounds like it was a huge blow to them. Like I think at, prior to this mm -hmm. point, they maybe have thought they were invincible and these wars were quite dangerous for them because they were starting to feel their mortality a bit. Um, and like I said, up until this point, Saturnalia was celebrated in a more traditional Roman way. After that war, they started to consult these books called the Sibylline books. And Sibyls are something I would really like to get into at another point in our podcast because um, they're very interesting. They're like oracles. And uh, it's at this point they start looking at these books and they start to adopt the Greek rites. And this is actually where the animal sacrifice comes into play and the grand banquets come into play. And it wasn't usual. It wasn't apparently unusual for the Romans to offer worship to deities of other nations in hope of redirecting their favor. So that all that to say is that the Romans had no problem. They would pray to whoever as long as they could get what they wanted. <laughs> There. And this is why they had no problem with like bringing the Greek, the Greek Pantheon into their thing and like adopting mm -hmm. it. And so historians, some historians have argued that the intro, uh, the introduction of the new rites could have been in part an effort to appease a god named Baal Hamon, Hamon, Hamon. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say that, not French or English, anyways, who was <laughs> who was a god considered to be the counter a god of the Phoenicians, and he was considered to be a counterpart of Roman Saturn and Greek Cronus. Yeah. So that makes sense, the whole idea is that maybe they started to incorporate these things to kind of turn the tide for them and and their like if they pray to that god. Maybe that God will like take favor on them. And honestly, you have to wonder if there wasn't something that worked on that because, I mean, they did survive and they did last quite a long time after that point. They did. It's funny because like like you say, like the Carthaginians, I think, were older than the Greeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I didn't do a dive into them, but they're very, very interesting. So that was one of their gods and it was like a counterpart to like Roman Saturn, Greek Cronus. So they wanted to start incorporating some of those things. And apparently the table service, this whole idea, they talk about it a lot, this concept of the servants role reversing and you feeding the servants. The table service mm -hmm. was extended to, and this is something that you had kind of touched on earlier, was extended to the slaves who would have also been prisoners of war. So that means that at that time, they would have extended that service to anybody that they had captured from the Carthaginians. Okay. You know? One day <laughs> or a series of days to... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if they drink a lot and get to have a lot of sex and whatever, they won't think it's, it's so bad here. Than most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's another okay, do we have time to even get into it? Okay, you know what? I'm gonna save that little piece. We'll add it into <laughs> our um into our um blanking on the Patreon. There's a little extra piece oh, to yeah. this that might be a bit dark. It's really small though. So we'll just do a little separate 
clip for that. You can go check it out on the Patreon when we set up the Patreon. Um, but yeah, this is the, I mean, this is the most important information around Saturnalia. Um, and it's pretty interesting. I really didn't know what to expect when I was going to dive into this, but. No, it's really cool. No, I didn't realize that it was a week-long thing. Well, I had no idea that there was so many... I mean, this really started to reframe for me and put into perspective just, like, why the... Ro- like, you know, I've been wondering for a while, why do the Romans always incorporate all of this other stuff? And you think it's just, like, for the most part, I just thought it was a form of, like, dominance and control, but this kind of made me realize, oh, but also they just were, like maybe we're wrong. <laughs> like maybe, yeah. maybe their God is right. So we'll pray to that God and hope he's cool with us or she or <laughs> whoever, like they didn't care. They just wanted to win. And that's pretty interesting. And especially if you believe in like, um, if you believe in magic and like manifesting things and whatever, it, it, it also touches on this concept, which I don't want to get into much so much now of like piggybacking on other people's energetics to like, fuel your own there's so many flies around me today oh my god but yeah (laughs) it's sunny and I'm in the sunny spot of the room so but yeah it's very very interesting (laughs) overall I think that this is going to be really interesting as we go into December um because there's Mm -hmm. so many little things that now when I'm putting them together in my home I'll be thinking of Saturnalia and in a way that that hits for me because of where we are we're in Roman Gallo territory so here historically mm-hmm. um so it's pretty cool and I think it's a pretty interesting celebration those Romans they were so crafty <laughs> so crafty <laughs> oh that was really cool I want to I mean, I wish that there was a way to learn more, but like you said, a lot of texts are kind of lost to I time. think if you but- want to learn more, a good place to start would be to, well, first of all, yeah, we have to acknowledge that there's not a, so much material on it, but this book that um, yes. MAT, MAT wrote, <laughs> I'm just going to call him that yeah. now. <laughs> might be a good place to start it might be an interesting that does sound like a good place to start yeah yeah so that's probably where I'll go next and um yeah I hope you guys enjoyed this telling of Saturn of the holiday of Saturnalia and maybe you guys will find that the ways that Saturnalia has like creeped its way into your celebrations this year yeah (laughs) that'd be cool I'm gonna pay more attention yeah you know every time you see a candle now I'm gonna be like damn (laughs) (laughs) amazing thank you so much yeah for listening um remember to follow us on instagram at allegory story podcast or shoot us an email at allegory story podcast at gmail.com we'll get our patreon set up at some point (laughs) it's just the two of us back here so you you know what that means and we also have jobs and other projects so we actually really love doing this podcast but sometimes the logistical work in the back if anybody wants to come on as volunteer we could use your help (laughs) i know i normally would never use the v word but um (laughs) i'm sure we can work something out we might need some help Well, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Happy Saturnalia, y'all. See you soon.